Well, good morning and welcome to Catalyst Christian Church. My name is Dave, and if you are visiting with us either in person or online, I definitely want to say welcome. I'm glad you're here. Um, today we're continuing in our Culture War series uh, with part four called simply, Who is Raising the Next Generation? And the main thing today is only fools will allow their enemies to educate their children. If you want to take out your outline, take some notes. If you want to uh, pop open version, and we, we have our outline there, you'll be able to see that. Um, you go to version Bible app, pull up events, find Catholic Christian Church. You can find our outline there. Um, I saw a picture uh, recently that just really spoke a lot of truth. And I want to pull it up here. It's called Pick a Fourth Generation Fade. And it goes like this. Parents don't make church a high priority for their kids. Number two, kids grow up and make it lesser priority for their kids. But we're still doing okay. It's, you know, it's still a priority. We're still doing okay, but we're just noticing a little bit of a difference. But then those kids grow up and make it no priority for their kids. And four, those kids grow up with no concept of God. Now, this is... You know, I mean, come on, it's, it's on the internet. This doesn't really happen, does it? I mean, this isn't, there's no historical precedent for this, is there? There is no way that this has ever happened before. An entire nation, an entire society forgetting God, like raising kids and not them not knowing God. Well, unfortunately, yes, it did happen in history, and it's happening now. All right, the problem is this, we are raising a generation that knows neither God nor what he has done for America or for the world. And it's nothing new. And Judges 2, chapter, uh, uh, Judges 2, verse 10 through 15, is one of, I think, one of the most haunting passages in the entire Bible. I've shared it before, but it just bothers me, keeps me up at night. It says this, after that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, this was in, in Israel. This was the, after Moses led them out of, the, out of slavery and part of the Red Sea. And, and they, they, he, he turned leadership over to his protege, Joshua. And they had served. They were faithful to the Lord then. All right. It was after that generation had been gathered to their ancestors. Another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. Baal was a god of the weather. We'll be talking about him later on. They forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt. They followed and worshipped various gods of the people around them. They aroused the Lord's anger because they forsook him and served Baals and the Asterisks. In his anger against Israel, the Lord gave them into the hands of raiders who plundered them. He sold them into the hands of their enemies all around, whom they were no longer able to resist. Whenever Israel went out to fight, the hand of the Lord was against them to defeat them, just as he had sworn to them. They were in great Distressed. Now, does this sound like a great place to live? Does this sound like a, uh, that they're living under the blessing? No. They were in great distress. There were three things that they did. Check this out. Number one, they followed the gods of people around them. See, guys, when faith in God leaves the building or leaves the society, you don't become this liberated, intelligent, educated, enlightened society. You, that's not what happens. When faith in God leaves... You simply look around you for the next most powerful thing, and that's what you do. And you become a servant to the people around you. All right, the nations around them worshiped a god called Baal. He was also called Molech and Ashtoreth. Baal worship emphasized three things. 
It's, it's really shocking how, how ancient and, and uneducated and stupid these humans were. Listen to what they emphasize in Baal worship. Number one, sexual promiscuity, child sacrifice, and the worship of nature. That's what Baal worship was. Worship service was filled with both homo and heterosexual orgies. Uh, they sacrificed their children in fires that they burned to the statues of Baal. And they believed their actions of worship would bring about good weather for crops. Hmm. Interesting. Israel saw what they were doing. They left the God of the Bible and adopted their ways. It's so good that we are not doing that now, that our society is not filled with rampant sexuality, child sacrifice in the form of abortion, and worship of the climate as all climate change. Isn't it amazing that that's what we have, as we have moved away from God, that is where we have gone. All right, same thing is happening today. Americans have walked away from God of the Bible. Jesus in his ways and commands adopted the practice of the people around us. They've engaged in Baal worship. Like I said, what are the three greatest things that are occupying, that, that are obsessing, uh, America's obsessing over, over? Isn't it sex, abortion, and climate change? That's exactly what they, what they did 3,000 years ago. It's nothing new. Nothing new. Same thing over and over. Not only that, but we've adopted the tenets of secular humanism. The people around us. I saw this statement this week on social media. This is from a pastor, a former pastor, now turned atheist, named Jim Palmer. He said this, you don't need to be born again. You were born just fine the first time. What you do need is to wake up to the truth that you are fundamentally good, beautiful, powerful, worthy, and loved just the way you are. Doesn't that sound wonderful? Doesn't that just sound great? It sounds amazing. Until you're real with yourself. Until you're real with yourself, it's completely wrong. You guys, I hope that you're self-aware enough to know that that is completely wrong. I, I, know that I know myself far too well to believe the nonsense that Jim Palmer just put out, all right? I'm not fundamentally good, beautiful, powerful, or worthy. I'm a, I know in my heart I'm a selfish, self-centered, narcissistic, blasphemous, lying, adultery, adultering hypocrite who falls short every single day and is in need of the grace of Jesus Christ every day. That's who I am. I need his grace every day because without him, I'm lost. And so are you, and so is humanity. Uh, if I would have heard this nonsense when I was back in high school and I was in desperate need of Jesus Christ and his grace, if I would have heard what Jim Palmer said, I would have persisted in my rebelliousness and, my, 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 uh, and never experienced the life that Jesus Christ gives. See, we've walked away from God and adopted the practices of the world. And what happened when Israel did that? Well, the same thing that's happening to us now. The second thing that, that, that this says is that they were plundered. Okay, they were plundered when they walked away from God and adopted the, the, the Baal worship and the, and, the, and the customs of the people around them. They were plundered. It says they were no longer able to resist the attacks against them. Right? Uh, why? Because when you allow moral rot in a society, take that, this is why. Uh, they'd fallen apart at the most fundamental level, the family, the individual. By adopting the rampant sexuality, the child sacrifice, and worship of nature, they become self-centered. They become shallow people without a backbone. And they had no sense of themselves as a country, no sense of, of themselves as a people. They lost anything, any interest in anything other than themselves. The end result is a society that rejects God, and adopting the practice of the people around them had led to a narcissism and a self-centeredness that fractured and divided their society. This was what was going on in Israel. 
So when a challenge came up, they're unable to respond to it. They're unwilling to respond to it. Their neighbor's field was plundered. The sponsor says, well, I fail to see how that's my problem. That's what moral rot does. The adoption of the practices of the people around them led to a fracturing division society, and a divided society is prone to conquering. Exactly what happened to them, and exactly what is happening to us now. All right? The third thing that the passage says, they lost every battle. See, Israel had this arrogance and this feeling that they were, they were the chosen people of God, and they were right about that, that they were cho- the chosen people of God, but they had this arrogance and this narcissism that they were invincible, somehow that God would just always be there to bail them out. All right? See, God had parted the Red Sea. He had crashed the walls of Jericho all in their history. They knew that well. He fought all their battles and established them in the land. All right? And, and, and the previous generation had looked at those things and said, look what all God has done for us. He must be amazing. But the new generation had a very different view on those things. It's like the difference between cats and dogs. See, a dog looks at you as the as owner and says, hey, this person feeds me, this person gives me water, this person shelters me, pets me, cares, cares for my every need. He must be God. A cat looks at it and says, well, this person feeds me, uh, gives me water, takes care of my every need, grooms me, everything. I must be God. All right? Well, the previous generation under Joshua's dog, they said, look how amazing God is. He's done all this stuff for us. The new generation came up, and they were cats. And they said, God's done all this stuff for us. Look how great we must be. Look how great we must be. And they thought they were untouchable. And they could live however they wanted, and God would always be there to do, their, do his part. They didn't realize that God's protection and blessing on them was a covenant arrangement. The covenant arrangement was he would be their God and protect him, and they would follow him and, and, and do things his way. That was the covenant that they made. Well, they expected God to keep his part of the covenant while they went off and did whatever they wanted. And they found out very quickly that God doesn't work that way. They walked away from him, worshiped other gods, and did what was detestable to him, and he stepped back and allowed evil. And the Bible says that they were in great distress. And that's why it's so important for us as Americans to learn from this and to understand what happens when a generation comes up and knows neither God nor what he has done in the world. And we're seeing it now. So the question is, who is raising this next generation? Who is it? Who will prevent an entire generation from growing up and knowing neither the Lord nor what he has done? Well, God's answer to who is raising the next generation is a simple word, parents. All right? Parents are the primary disciples and educators in a child's life. I know this is radical stuff to hear pastors say this because a lot of times pastors say, hey, parents, send your kids to the church and we'll teach them for you. Nope, doesn't work. I wish it did, but it doesn't. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 6 says this, Moses addressing the nation. He says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Now listen to what he says. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. In other words, parents, you are the primary educators and disciples of the next generation. You are. The ones in your home are your responsibility, God is saying. 
and make sure that they know from you. Teach them my commands. Write them all over your home. Disciple your children so that this doesn't happen. Okay? For far too long, we as parents, and I'm I'm a father of four, have delegated the two most important tasks given by God in the Bible, education and discipleship. Delegated the education of, of our kids to schools and discipleship of our kids to churches. And you say, well, well that's not a bad thing, is it? That's what they're supposed to do. That's what, that's what their job, what do we pay them for? Well, it's not a bad thing, just an incomplete thing. It's an incomplete thing. There are good schools and there are bad schools, good teachers and bad teachers. I've been to both and had both. Uh, I appreciate the teachers that taught me knowledge and expected high-level work from me and challenged me. Uh, I appreciate the, uh, the influence that the good teachers had on me. However, they're also bad teachers. We all know it. Uh, they're teachers that don't see your child as a person to educate. They see a project to indoctrinate. We all know that. And children who do not have a strong sense of right and wrong, whose parents have not uh, taught them to think critically and, and uh, taught them the truth, are very vulnerable to it, and we're seeing that now. Now, when it comes to discipleship, uh, it's imperative that parents communicate faith to their children. Imperative. I was a youth minister for nine years, working primarily with teenagers. been working with teenagers since I was a teenager. Uh, and I, uh, I believe in youth ministry, and I love it. I think, it's, I think it's, a, it's great, but it's not good enough. We see we got the kids for one hour per week. One hour per week. And that's if every, the kid came every single week, which rarely happened. They were being bombarded with media seven hours a day. TV shows that promoted anti-Christian values, friends who encouraged them in all kinds of nonsense, uh, social media that glamorized same-sex marriage and gender dysphoria and division and everything else 24-7 routed straight to their screens, straight to their minds. Parents, discipleship is your responsibility. The church is designed to help with what you're already doing in in the home. Look at this picture uh, of a great illustration here. Check this out. This is a pic of... Ping pong balls. Now, if you see the small one, the small container over on the left, that is a container with 52 ping pong balls in it, representing the hours that the church has with your kids. That's if they show up every single week, 52. The one on the right, the hours in a year that parents have with their children. There's 8,760 ping pong balls in it. There's no way that the little container on the left can have the impact of the container on the right. Okay, parents, your children's relationship with Christ should be the most important thing in, to, in your life. Their eternity is not something to be taken lightly. And for far too long, we've been taking it lightly. Uh, God knew this. And that's why he, in, in his wisdom, set parents, family, etc., as a primary educator disciples of the next generation. Now, I, I'm going to say things that are controversial right now, and I don't mean to offend anyone. I don't. But it's just time we stop tap dancing around things and start speaking truth. All right? I think we as Americans are operating under a decades-old model. We still think it's the 1980s or 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and we're still acting like it. Right? It's, it's changed, parents, grandparents, and kids. It's changed. It's changed a lot. And I don't think we've seen it. If we've seen it, we've been very slow to respond to it. See, parents and grandparents is very different 30 years ago. There was this unspoken understanding between parents and schools. Parents would send their kids to neighborhood schools. And the neighborhood schools would teach uh, and what society agreed was necessary for kids to learn. It was just this unspoken understanding. Uh, agreement. You didn't think about it. You just assumed, and, and, and for, for decent reason, 
uh, what was being taught was what you were taught, um, and, and generally it was good, generally. That was the understanding, that was the unspoken agreement be between my parents and the school when I went. There were good teachers and bad teachers, but there was a trust between parents and schools. The 2020 pandemic changed all of that. All of a sudden, parents were exposed to what was being taught in classrooms. Specifically, the teaching of critical race theory set off explosive school board meetings as angry parents inundated school board meetings, causing meetings to be shut down, even leading to some arrests. I saw a news article on Friday that said the school boards are receiving death threats now from people. Cut it out, y'all. Don't send death threats. Okay, that, that, that doesn't accomplish anything. They've actually asked for federal help. They're turning in these threats to the FBI, just letting you know. Parents who are unhappy with masking or social distancing uh, protocols pulled their kids out of schools in record numbers last year. 1.4 million children left public schools last year. Homeschooling more than doubled. Now an estimated 11 to 13% of America's students are homeschooled. The most telling number is that 16% of black students are now homeschooled, represent the largest uh, group being homeschooled right now. And I'm not here to bash any school or any teachers because we've got, we've got teachers uh, in, in this church and they're fantastic. What I'm here to say is that the trust and the unspoken covenant between parents and schools is no longer there. And it, it can no longer be assumed that what's being taught in schools to this next generation is good, right, and true. I'm not saying it's not being taught. I'm just saying it can no longer be assumed. It's not universal. So parents, grandparents, parents-to-be, and even kids who are in school now, your job is infinitely more difficult because there are powerful anti-Christian forces within our educational system that are attempting to indoctrinate this next generation away at any cost, it seems, away from Christ into radical secular humanism. No sense denying it, no sense pretending it doesn't exist. So this is what we must do. If we do not want an entire generation growing up knowing neither the Lord nor what he has done, if we don't want our children following the practice of the people around us, repeating the same folly that Israel did 3,000 years ago, the first thing is this. Parents and grandparents, aunts, uncles, etc., must take education and discipleship seriously and, prior, and prioritize it as, as, as the most important thing in the home. We do what Deuteronomy 6 says to do. Second, after we move discipleship and prioritize it and education uh, uh, into, back into the parish territory where God set it up to be, the second thing is this. Be vigilant about your children's schools. Romans 16, 17 through 18 says this. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them, for such people are not serving our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. By smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people who could be more naive than our children you know what's being taught in schools do you do you know what's being taught at east Chestnut high school and west Chestnut high school you know what's being taught at brookside elementary early learning village do you know what's being taught parents people in this community do you know grandparents listen to your child ask questions every day about what they're learning i was shocked when my son came home and told me that he knew the political views of every one of his teachers everyone Back when I was in school, I was considered taboo. You never knew the political views of teachers. That was unprofessional. And I say that we call our teachers to, to, to back to that. Unprofessional. They should not know you're a Democrat or Republican. They should not know if you're liberal or conservative. They should know that you're a teacher. And that's it. Know who the principal is. Know who your children's teachers are. Know them by name. Establish a relationship with them. 
Ask them how you can pray for them. Ask them what they're doing. Ask them how, what their views on education are. Know them, parents. Go to school board meetings. Make your voice heard. And here's a big one. How about we support the Christian teachers that are in the public school system who are, or, or encourage them, pray for them. They're in a mission field right now. Tell them how glad you are that they're teaching what is true and right. Tell them to make no apologies for speaking truth. There are philosophies being taught in public schools today. Acquaint yourself with them and know what they are and be able to talk intelligently about them. I identified four that I see that are the big ones being taught in public schools today. To a certain extent, maybe not so much in this school, but more in this school. But these are the four. Number one is critical race theory. Critical race theory is based on Marxism. It is a, Marx saw life as a struggle between, the, between classes, between the upper class and the lower class. The upper class was the bourgeoisie, the lower class was the proletariat, and he saw life as a struggle between those two, between the oppressors and the victims. That's what his theory was based on. And he even said that the only way that this struggle could be taken care of was by violent revolution. Understand what Marx is saying, all right? Critical race theory has changed categories from class to race and is teaching that there are two classes the, the privileged and the, and the victims. And if you, are, uh, if, if, if you are a minority, you are a victim. And if you are in the majority, you're white, you're an oppressor. That's what's being taught to our kids. Understand that. We're not going to pretend it's not happening. That's what's being taught. The Kentucky Department of Education just came out this week with, this, with its radical race-based strategy. They, put, they stomped on the accelerator. They're going full ahead with this. Instead of teaching that all people are made in the image of God, to treat others as we would have them treat us, like the Bible says now, it's all class and race warfare. They've, they've called it different names. They, they're calling it uh, other things, but it's still critical race theory. That's being taught in our schools. Be vigilant about what's being taught in your schools, parents, because we can no longer trust that what is being taught is what you were taught. All right, second thing is abiogenesis. Abiogenesis, a lot of times goes by its, by its cover name called evolution. Evolution is being taught in our schools. It's being taught for a long time. But abiogenesis is the, is the philosophy that's being taught. Abiogenesis basically says that non-living matter can become spontaneously living matter. I'm not going to go into that because it's a different sermon for a different time. But it is, it, it, it is very, very sly. The reason I bring it up is because evidence for evolution is being used to prove abiogenesis. They're two completely different concepts. Evolution just means um, uh, change over time. Evolution's uh, the reason that I have dark curly hair and I have green eyes and I have white skin. At one time, um, uh, all people were dark skin, had dark hair and brown eyes. And then through mutation, uh, people that, that moved, lived in northern climates that needed skin that produced vitamin D uh, mutated to have white skin. It was an adaptation, it was an adaptation to life. Um, my daughters have red hair, that's a mutation. I have curly hair, that's a mutation. Those are things that are proof for evolution. That is what evolution is. Now, and unscrupulous, dishonest teachers and educators are using proof of that to say that there is no God that created. There's a huge difference between variation within species, having white skin or dark skin or, or blue eyes or green eyes or, or, or brown eyes, and saying that non-living matter can spontaneously become living but they're using proof of evolution to prove abiogenesis, therefore removing creator God. It's wrong, it's false. Be vigilant, parent. The third thing that's being taught is transgenderism and gender dysphoria. 
there's, a, there's, a, there's an onslaught for uh, our children to get, them to, uh, to get them to think that, that boys are not boys and girls are not girls, that there are 58 genders, these kinds of things. Understand what's being taught in your classrooms because these are things parents today have to face. Okay? And the fourth thing is left-wing politics. Um, I've seen videos of, of, of teachers calling, uh, calling uh, families that voted for Trump as idiot and stupid, and, and it's completely, completely wrong to be talking about that in a classroom. But that is what's going on in our classroom. Fortunately, these teachers are being exposed and they're supposed to be fired. I, I, I'm glad they're being fired. They have no business being in a classroom. They're supposed to be teaching our kids uh, stuff other than politics. But that is what is going on in our schools and it's time that we acknowledge it and we are vigilant about it. No longer do we sit there and just assume what's being taught is the right things, okay? The third thing is I wanna, I wanna counteract a, a, a something that was told to me as a parent and, and that unfortunately I even said back in my youth ministry days and I realized how wrong it was. Third is this, is that it's not our children's job to influence schools. See, I, I used to believe when I was a, an idealistic youth minister that, that we needed the Christian kids to go into schools and, and be a good influence and exert some good peer pressure and, and they can really influence their schools and, and, and be a good voice in there. I don't believe that anymore. I was wrong to believe that. Um, Mark 9, 42 says this, if anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone uh, if a large missile were hung around their neck and they were thrown into the sea. Now, we had to make the very difficult decision this past year for us to switch from public to private school. It wasn't easy. Private school tuition is hard to pay. Driving an election twice a day isn't fun. As we were considering this, a friend of mine told me that Christian kids needed to stay in classrooms and be a good influence, be salt and light. He even quoted Jesus saying, you're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Let your light shine before others. We need Christian kids in public school classrooms and in and, 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 and these schools. We, we need them there. He said, if we pull the Christian kids out of secular schools, the secular schools will just get worse and worse. Have you heard that? I've heard that. I used to say that to people. But I responded, it's not my son's job to save the school. He's a student. Now, if Christian adults feel the calling to influence the school and be the light in them as teachers, educators, principals, counselors. That's a different thing. That's what we want. But my son doesn't go to school to be an activist or to set a school straight. That's what, that's what adults do. So parents, I wanna correct my false statements that I made back in my youth ministry days 15 years ago. It is not our kids' job to be missionaries to schools. That's not why they're there. They're there to learn. We've put this pressure on our kids and kept them in situations where they're being led away from Christ because we think it's their job to save the school. And in doing so, instead of saving the school, we've lost our kids. You don't send untrained soldiers to the battlefield. That would be foolish. Guy signs up for the army and say, all right, hey, you have no idea how to fight, no, no weapons training, nothing, but there's a battle over there, so go over there and fight, and I hope you don't get killed. No army does that. You send soldiers who've been trained and know what they're doing on the battlefield. In the same way, you send adults into mission fields. Teachers, principals, etc., to be influencers in the school. Adults who have their beliefs set, who can walk into a situation that is different than their beliefs and not be affected. 
You don't send kids who are still learning, still developing their beliefs, still developing their sense of right and wrong, still feeling out their relationship with Jesus Christ to do the work. You don't do that. It's not their job. So parents, if you have a kid in the school that is negatively affecting your kid, leading them away from Christ, leading them towards rebellion and all that, get them out. Get them out. Your kid is there to learn, not save the school. And it's, time, it's not the time for your kid to be a missionary or an influence is when they can be in an environment without them affecting, without affecting them. We need to shift the strategy away from expecting our children to win the school for Christ. I can't believe that I used to tell parents that. We need Christian teachers, adults, to go in and win the school for Christ. We cannot put that burden on our children anymore. It's not their job. Are there any Christians in this room who will will join other Christian teachers in our public school system and go as missionaries and go and, 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 and be salt and light? Please go do that. I would love to see people sign up to do that right now. Well, let's remove that from our children. The fourth thing that we must do to raise this next generation is this. Fear nothing but losing your children to this world. Fear nothing but losing your children to this world. Proverbs 13, 22, a good person leaves an inheritance for their children's children, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. The Bible talks about leaving an inheritance for not our children, but our grandchildren. An inheritance is far more than money. Faith is an inheritance we pass down to our children, a love for God, a love for his word, a love for his church. How effective and wonderful would our churches be if we started leaving a spiritual inheritance for our children and for our grandchildren? More than just money. If we feared nothing but losing our children to this world, what kind of force would we be? See, it doesn't seem to be much fear of that, though. About 80% of kids who grow up in a church at least back when I was in youth ministry, abandoned the church within one year of graduating high school. We fear a lot of things for our kids. We really do as a parent. I understand that. We fear a lot of things for our kids. We fear them failing in school, fear them not making the team, fear them not having any friends. We fear all kinds of things for our kids. But do we fear losing them to the world? Or are we just a bunch of lukewarm families raising lukewarm kids who grow up to know neither the Lord nor what he has done? See, the last 18 months have been a, a case study in fear, really. Um, it is amazing what people will do when they say they fear something. I mean, we all have front row seat to it. We've seen some of the most extreme actions I've ever seen in my 47 years of life, the last 18 months, people afraid for their lives. I've seen people walk away from friendships, cursing them as they go, people who've never hurt them. We've seen people walk away from church, from family members, divide, withdraw, criticizing and insulting on the way out. We've seen people quit jobs, viciously criticize others, assault people in public, not wearing masks, etc. We've seen people do all kinds of things when they are afraid. I've even seen pictures of people putting masks on their cats. There are people who are at home right now when they should be in church because of fear. People have to do what they believe to be right and in their best interest, and I respect that. But what actions would we take, church, if the only thing we feared was losing our children to the world? What would we do? If we're willing to go to that extent for fear of safety and health, what actions would we take if we feared losing our children to this world and its deceptive philosophy? 
What actions will we as a church, as parents, as Christians take if they only feared losing our children to the philosophies of secular humanism and the LGBTQ agenda and all these things like that? What actions will we take if we believe our children are being influenced away from Christ? Away from the truth of Scripture? If we thought they were being indoctrinated Secular humanism, materialism. If we if we thought they were they were being told that their gender is was is their preference instead of a gift from God. Told that all religions are the same despite the glaring differences between them. What would we do if we believed our children were being led away from Christ? Fear nothing. But losing our children to this world, we would be very, very different. As parents and as churches, as people. But here's the truth. Here's the truth. If they don't know Jesus, no amount of education will matter. Doesn't matter what school they go to. Doesn't matter if they're homeschool, Christian school, public school, whatever. It does not matter if they don't know Jesus Christ. Ephesians 6, 4. Listen to, listen to this, fathers. Fathers, mothers too, but fathers. This is directed to fathers, to me. This is the word of God speaking to me. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. It doesn't say take them out in the backyard and teach them how to throw. Oh, that's important. It doesn't say teach them out and teach them how to fish. That's important. It says bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. What is our job? To bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. That is our priority. You want to fight the culture war? then let's start getting it done in our own homes. Parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, friends of people with children, listen to me. Our most important job is to win our kids to Christ and disciple them so they grow in their faith. Nothing else even comes close. Right? Sending them to a Christian school isn't enough. There are tons of kids at Christian schools that don't know the Lord nor what he has done. Sending them to church isn't enough. There are tons of kids and adults in church that don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The point is, do your children love the Lord with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, like Deuteronomy said? Do they truly know Jesus? Not about him. Do they know him deeply, intimately, personally? That is the the $500 question, church. If you don't want to see the next generation being lost to the philosophy of this world, it's not enough to, to, to put them in a fortress and, and, and keep them away from the world. No, they must know Jesus Christ personally, deeply, intimately. Remember, in Judges 2, a generation grew up that didn't know the Lord. They didn't know him. They didn't know a thing about him. They didn't acknowledge him as Lord and Savior. They, that left them wide open to every type of influence. Listen, people, we all, including our children, will worship something. We will. That's we were made to worship. But you can say, well, I don't worship anything. I am above it all. I don't give my mind, my heart to anything. Yes, you do. Yeah, you do. Because every person has something that is their number one priority. Every person in here, every person that's ever walked the face of this earth has something that is of utmost importance to them that gets their time, their passion, their money, their, 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 their attention, and, they, and that they're moving forward towards in life. And if, they, and if it isn't the Lord, it is something else that's wrong. When we prioritize something other than God, it's known as idolatry. It's known as idolatry. 
When Israel didn't worship God, they turned to worship Baal and Molech. When Israel doesn't worship God, we turn to worship leisure, money, sports, food, you name it. At least Israel was honest about their idolatry. Hey, I give them credit for that. They actually made a statue, and they, if you ask them if they, if they were worshiping it, they would say, yeah. We don't make statues of our gods, but we give them the same devotion and passion and attention. Today, I'm calling America back from its idolatry. We've walked away from the loving God. We've walked away from loving God, loving Jesus, loving the one who created us and saved us by his death and resurrection. We've walked away. We've given our hearts to secular humanism, to false gods of hobbies, leisure, social media, food, drugs, alcohol, sports, anything and everything but God. And it's pervaded into our homes and we are exactly like Israel 3,000 years ago. So I wanna ask this question of all people joining us here and online. Who today is brave enough and convicted enough to remove idolatry from their home today? To repent and return to God, to make a commitment to prioritize education and discipleship in their homes and look at the Lord and the world and say, as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. Who is ready to do that today? I want to invite the band to come on back up. Who here is ready to prioritize Sunday morning worship and community groups and youth group and children's ministry? We've prioritized everything else. Who here is ready to prioritize that? Who here is ready to prioritize the teaching of Scripture in your own home, studying the Word of God daily with your children? Who here is ready to prioritize family prayer each morning and each night? Who here is ready to tithe and give God the first and the best of everything? No more patronizing, half-hearted, throwing a few scraps God's way every now and then. No more be nice to God days of Christmas and Easter and when grandma's in, home, in, in town. I'm talking, who is ready? Who is ready to look at this world and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Who's ready to return to the Lord in repentance today and say, Lord, we've prioritized everything but you We've instilled in our children idolatry. We've neglected you. We have taken the primary responsibilities of education and discipleship, and we sent them off to other people while we prioritized everything else. Lord, we return to you in repentance. We don't want to lose our children to this world. We don't want to lose our grandchildren to this world. We don't want to lose our great-grandchildren to this world. We want to raise spiritual champions in our home. And it will not be said of us that this next generation grew up and knew neither the Lord nor what he had done. Is there anyone ready to say that today? To look at this world and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord.